So obviously want to dig into the upcoming tour and look back on 30 years of Slave to the Grind and get your opinion on a couple things. And, you know, I was at the uh, the tour for the self-titled album at the Whiskey back, what was that, 2019 now? And certainly looking forward to the second album. And I'm just guessing here, but I imagine the second album a little bit more, I don't know if important is the right word, but it'll maybe a little bit closer to heart since you were kind of there from the start for all that music compared to the first album where a lot of that stuff was already... No, I, I was there I was there from the start from the first album too I mean uh, there's a lot of talk I hear sometimes like that whole album was written before I got there which is complete garbage there was a couple songs written but there was no I Remember You which was the biggest song on the album there was no Big Guns there was no Sweet Little Sister there was no Here I Am like we wrote half that album in the garage so that's a misconception but uh, I'd say the difference between Slave to the Grind and the first record is that there's a lot more screaming on Slave to the Grind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure, for sure. It's a different it's a different vocal style uh, than the first album. It's more heavy metal, definitely. Definitely more metal album, for sure. Yeah, and you know, you guys got to be the only band in history to do that. They got heavier on the second album, and, and clearly that was a conscious decision. Was that just the writing on the wall or what you were feeling or a little bit of both? It was actually just the difference really between being 19 years old and being 24 years old. So, like we did the first album. I sang those songs when I was 19 or, or maybe 20. And uh, we did Slay to the Grind when I was like 23 or 24. And, I, and we had been on the road for years in between that time. So we had learned how to play heavier. And uh, that was the style, too. Like, uh, you know, that was when pop metal was going out of style in 91. And we certainly felt that. So we were trying to, like, adapt with the times. And um, also, we were just older, you know. Basically, that's just us kind of figuring out, oh, my God, we can we can actually play now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure all those years playing together on the road, gelling, and, and of course, that's going to yeah. enhance your musicianship. And more time with you with mm-hmm. the guys and, and gelling as a band. And now that you've been out doing this tour for a while, kind of curious if any of these maybe, quote, unquote, deeper cuts on the album are maybe going to stick in the set like a mud kicker or something like that. Well, I, I don't know. Like, to be honest with you, after we're done this tour, we're not going to be doing this set again. Again. So if you want to see it, come now, because I have a whole nother plan coming next year that I'll tell you about in the next interview. But, <laughs> but um, you know, here's the deal. Like, all these deep cuts, like Beggar's Day, which is only on half of the records, or Creep Show, or Riot Act, Mud Kicker, like, when you put the record out, they're deep cuts because the singles are get the most attention. You know, Monkey Business and Wasted Time and in a darkened room. Sure. And Slave to the Grind. But then people buy the records and they listen to the records for 30 years <laughs> in their car. So they know the whole record. The whole record becomes one piece of music and a hit. And uh, they go nuts for Mud Kicker. The guys really like it and a lot of girls too. But a lot of dudes are coming to this show. That's that's another difference between the first album and the second <laughs> record. The first one, a lot of girls really re- relate to it and say to the grind a lot of dudes 
really relate to it in the crowd. You can see it. Well, I love it. Looking forward to it. Uh, Going to be uh, it, wrapping up things in your uh, hometown area at the Fonda Theater coming up here on Thursday the 16th. And you got an opening act along with you, too. Yeah, we have a really cool opening band called Kaleido. They're from Detroit. And the reason I really dig them is because they play all live. They don't have no tapes rolling at all in the back, which is too too common these days. So you're going to come out and you're going to you're going to hear a real rock show, which is refreshing and not too uh, common these days yeah. with all the all the tapes going around. So, yeah, they're real good, too. Yeah. Looking forward to it. And, you know, speaking of opening acts, I did want to touch on your uh, opening act from 30 years ago. No way to not talk mm. about the Abbott Brothers and Pantera yeah. opening for you. And I was hoping you could maybe share some stories of maybe one too many black tooth grins on a particular night with oh. the Abbott Brothers or any, <laughs> any highlights from that tour. We have Pantera for most of the tour. And then we also, for like six weeks, we had Soundgarden. And one one show we did in Denver was Pantera and Soundgarden, which was crazy. So oh, wow. it's kind of sad to think about, you know, Chris Cornell and Dimebag and brother Vinnie Paul not being here. And, you know, every night I on stage, I say to the crowd how lucky we are to be rocking together when so many people, you know, we lose so many people every day it's someone else so i feel very lucky and and about pantera um dimebag used to have a jukebox in his living room with his favorite songs on it and he would get the 45 single versions of these songs and put them in his jukebox and uh he always told me his favorite skid row song was in a darkened room and he had that on his jukebox in his living room and he would get loaded <laughs> and crank it up and he always said to me baz why don't you do more songs like this he loved that song i think it's because of the guitar that's a great memory so every night we dedicate that to Dimebag and and his brother Vinny. Yeah, oh, that's great and great story to hear. Yeah. And God, I got to ask you about one other guy that we lost too soon and more recently. And you were you, you were shedding your tears on social media. But rest in peace, mm -hmm. Jeff Labar. Oh, yeah, that, that's very sad. Yeah, I had some fun times with him. He was a very nice guy and I never saw that coming. And another guy, too, that we lost recently was um, the singer from Children of Bodom, Alexi Lajo, yeah. who was a young dude who was a huge Skid Row fan, and I used to party with him a lot, and he we lost him, and I could never have imagined that happening, you know. So, again, we're, we're lucky, you know, for all the Jeff Labars and... Alexi Lajo, you know, let's not take rock and roll for granted. Let's come on out to the show and have a good time. And, you know, if they can have big football stadiums packed out with 60,000 football fans, we can, have, we can have a rock show. We can do this. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we've been out like three months, man, so it's, it can be done. <laughs> I'm I don't want to jinx anything. I don't want to jinx anything. Yeah, <laughs> knock on wood here. Appreciate all the time. Just the last couple of things I wanted to hit you with. Uh, one other old yeah. thing I wanted to hit you with. It's funny with all this live stream that's happened, speaking of the pandemic and not being able to do shows, I was kind of thinking back. You were kind of a part of the original live stream pay-per-view Moscow Music Peace Festival from back wow. in the day. Could you share any thoughts, yeah. memories? from that thing? Uh, the thoughts uh, immediately that come to mind is um, Motley Crue was supposed to be sober and on the 
right over there, Tommy Lee was hitting a bottle of Jack with me and, and uh, Zach Wild in the back of the plane. And then I was bragging about it to everybody. And then Tommy Lee wanted to kick my ass. <laughs> because I was like blowing his cover, but I was such a Molly Crew fan. How could I not, you know, brag about doing shots with Tommy Lee in a fucking plane? You know, like I mean, I was such a fan. There's no way I couldn't brag about that. Sorry, sorry, Tommy. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, aside from the show itself, that's what that's what all the story was out of it. That it was a big party, you know, the whole way there. Yeah, and back. we were. It was 1989. It was everybody wasn't sober yet in 1989. <laughs> good times, good times. Last thing I wanted to hit you with: uh, we're an old school rock station. We we do every night at 10 p.m. We bow to the mighty Metallica. We do mandatory Metallica. And oh, cool. Wanted to talk a little. Metallica with you and kind of curious I know you're a big vinyl fan what what was yeah. the first Metallica album Sebastian Bach bought oh this is like a famous story I've told this in interviews I think it's in my book but I bought Kill 'Em All when it was an import when it first came out like when it was first released I lived in a little town in Canada called Peterborough and I used to there's a heavy metal section there with imports and there was I was flipping through the albums and this was in you know total glam days of Motley Crue and Wrathchild and all these glam bands I was flipping through and I saw this Metallica Kill Em All didn't have a picture on the front so I picked it up turned it around I looked at the picture on the back of Kill Em All and I go I go holy fuck these are the ugliest I've ever seen in my life <laughs> Like, I look at these guys, I go, how can this be their picture, like, of their band? Like, <laughs> and I bought it right there because I thought they looked so terrible. I go, this is the craziest thing i ever seen, like. <laughs> so I bought that right when it came out, dude. And I was and I was a real fan. I saw them at the uh, concert hall, Masonic Temple in Toronto on that tour. And then I bought Ride the Lightning when it first came out right away, you know, the first day. So I've been a Metallica fan since before they were big. I, when I bought that Metallica album, Anvil was 20 times bigger than Metallica. <laughs> so fathom that. <laughs> right? Well, it, it's I've been tripping on the fact that Slave to the Grind celebrating 30 years, but also Metallica's Black Album celebrating 30 years this year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what's crazy, the guy they got to remaster it is a guy named Bob Ludwig, who also was the mastering engineer on Led Zeppelin 1. Oh, and wow. This guy is this guy is still mastering records in, into his 70s, and I find that insane. <laughs> so I, I can't wait to hear that for sure. Man, when you got Zeppelin on your resume, I imagine you can work forever. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's that's quite the resume to be doing Led Zeppelin 1 through the brand new Metallica. Like, that's quite a long career. Absolutely. Hey, last thing I got for you, Baz, just talking about a long career. feel like I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't touch upon it. We've been talking about all about the past, but also want to look towards the future. We got a, any new music coming out of you? New tune, EP, album? What are we thinking? Well, as far I, as I, I can answer you by saying I'm always working on new music. I don't really say now I'm doing that or now I'm not. I, I'm always like writing ideas down and, you know, singing on demos and um, 
I'm not really allowed to give you details on that right now yet, <laughs> but I will say this. If you want to see the Slate of the Grind show, come see it now because we're not going to be doing these songs starting January 1st. It's going to be a whole new direction for 2022. So get ready. And that's all I could say. <laughs> Beautiful, man. Thank you so much for the time, right. and uh, best of luck out there on the road. Thank you, brother. Great talking to you. You Thanks, too, man. man. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming on live at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.